Hello everyone, it's the evening. It's a Thursday. Grab your beer, grab your sandwich. Well, probably a bit late for a sandwich now, but grab a nice meal, whatever you're eating, or have a cup of coffee. You don't want to drink too much, it's just a Thursday. Calm down. Pace yourself for tomorrow. Anyways, all will be revealed in 20 seconds. Here we go. It's like TV, but not, you're on LinkedIn. What are you doing on LinkedIn at seven o'clock? Anyways, glad you're here. Kicking off soon, 10 seconds. Hello everyone and welcome and thank you for joining us on this late special. I am so pleased because actually we've got an awesome guest here and I saw what they were up to on LinkedIn, on Instagram actually. I think I've seen it on LinkedIn as well. And I was so impressed because as you know, uh, mentoring and supporting others in the community is a real close theme that I'm passionate about as well. So without further ado, we have Drav from Narrative Practice also collaborating on an effort with uh, let me bring it up now my brain's gone it is hfm uh, architects and designers drav welcome to the stage how are you thank you very much yeah gosh you've got a clap going there in the background too yeah Absolutely. not too bad thank you brilliant thank you very yeah, much you, for having me you just imagine that virtual audience who are out there joining us in the evening maybe it's two people maybe it's 200 but with the show goes on either way you know so drug in in your own words can you tell us a little bit about yourself first and foremost and maybe your architectural background and stuff sure absolutely so um i'm an architect um, and associate director currently at london-based practice hfm architects um, so I have around about nine years of experience now in retail, commercial, public realm. I mainly deal with high street thresholds and the evolving nature of the retail beast itself. Um, the background in teaching, I've been studio tutor at the University of Brighton and Sheffield, um, dealing with multiple briefs along the way, climate, culture, storytelling, all sorts. And I also lead, as you say, Narrative Practice, which is an architectural student mentoring design and research platform. The mentoring is currently done through um, our day-to-day -day practice, which is HFM Architects, um, and it's hosted by Falcon, who's our service provider or service office provider. And the current research is to do exactly with that. So diversity among the profession, and then also a little bit to do with the reconfiguration on the high streets so oh amazing that's me oh and i'm currently in london hey there you go well you get a round of applause for carry juggling so much stuff i don't know if i could do that um mm. but i i'm in, i was impressed right because for what you've taken on is really interesting so there's two parts of the coin or three parts of the coin here because i would love to talk a little bit more about narrative practice and i'll bring up on um instagram the narrative practices and you can expand upon that in the, in a second but just so i understand then drove so this collaboration you're talking about so narrative practice is what you 
your passion project, what you do, HFM, you love it, you, you know, that's where you work as well. And so this, uh, this, these sessions that you do, that's mm -hmm. kind of a combination of both worlds. And that's sure. what initially caught my attention, because it's to do with architecture mentoring. So tell us how that came about then. So it actually started at the start of the pandemic. So this is March 2020. Oh, Everything cool. is kicking off. And we couldn't really do anything. We have friends and family that are in the medical profession who immediately were able to help in the hospitals, assisting people. But as architects, we thought at the time we couldn't do anything about it. So with a little bit of experience behind me through private tutoring, I decided, okay, let's let's start something that I've been sitting on for a while, which was narrative practice. And it was born out of this aim to try to help people who had lost their institutions. Some of the institutions across the world hadn't just weren't geared up quickly enough. And thankfully, we were at the time. And what happened is that we went virtual for two years, helping around 150 students, 250 sessions or so. And with the help of some of my very close friends and colleagues, um, that's how we started. Now, at the time, I hadn't told my director that I'd be doing this, but after, after a while, I thought it probably would be best. And he was very supportive. So, we continued. Now, two years later, um, I've now stepped into the associate's role at the practice. And this has just meant that I can't teach as much at the institutions. I would have loved to have continued at Sheffield from last year. However, this is the natural evolution and sessions was essentially born from there. Very cool. Sorry mm. if I'm clicking at all the wrong stuff on Instagram. You know what it's like doing it live on here. So if there's any things that you want me to in particular bring out bring out or showcase, please let me know. But yeah, it's mm. it's amazing, isn't it? And I'll bring up the website as well. And I can see that you've got such a, a reception on um, Instagram. Now, I've been struggling at the 4,000 mark for a while, partly. Mm. Um, now, that's interesting. You started during the pandemic. Uh, the Architecture Social started in the pandemic during that time as well. There's nothing mm -hmm. like being furloughed for me speaking. I know it's a bit different yes. for yourself, but nothing like being furloughed to be thinking, well, I need to do something else with my time. And actually, there was a few key people in, in March 2022, good people from the industry like yourself. Chris Hartis comes to mind, which was a a director at Squires and Partners who mm. would be on the Architecture Social Forum, because that's pretty much what it was in 2020, helping people out with mentoring. And it's quite complicated though, mentoring, isn't it? That's why hats off to you. It's not as easy as you think like, right, I'll just rock up and chat. You've kind of got to structure it. You've got to support people, like you say, you know, helping people from different backgrounds, which is really important, being inclusive like that. And also people's, they learn differently, right? So how did you go about this task then at the start from the blank slate? To be frank, it was a little bit like drowning. Um, <laughs> and you paddle, you paddle, and you try to come above water for a little bit. And yeah. that happened a few times. 
we began, I remember the first student that got in touch was from Hong Kong, which meant that the time zones were such that I would have to wake up extremely early or the other way around extremely late. And that continued for a while. And the structure then began from there itself. So we would start by saying, okay, this is completely about you. And we only want to help in as clear and as coherent way as possible. If this is not helpful, please immediately let us know. Because even our limited experience um, would not be able to deal with briefs across the world. Mm. And we were, we were pretty transparent about that. Beyond that, however, it became quite apparent that students were finding it helpful and that they were coming back. And so the mentoring element was very much led from tutoring, mm. um, say a 30, 45 minute tutorial, but then progressively became re repeat tutorials to then mentor these students along the way. And those students who joined us in the very beginning are still in contact, which is always a great thing to see. And sometimes you also see them in person at the sessions that we've just started too. It's also mm. great. Yeah. What I mean, mm. no, carry on. Sorry, drove just because, you know, it's like online with these things. Mm. Don't worry. We're, we're just, we're, it's a relaxed conversation. Sometimes it's the second or two delay. So sorry, audience, I'm not deliberately trying to cut anyone off. Um, carry on. It was more that I just noticed what you were flicking through. Um, ah. that, that image there is actually something I've been working on recently, which is um, as, as part of this reconfiguration study, as part of HFM, this is a more day-to-day -day thing that I've made look pretty, I guess, for Instagram purposes. It has a deeper purpose. Now, those who don't know me and those who do know me, I'm from Bradford in West Yorkshire. I was born and brought up there. Um, and I came to the University of Westminster in 2010. Um, now, up to that point, I hadn't really realized that architecture was for me at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was always tutors and it was always mentoring. There is, there, there is always this relationship mm -hmm. back to your previous learnings and your previous academic experience that somehow relate to what you're doing today. So I always think back to this point, and I guess this diagram that you've got up on screen has just reminded me that I am from Bradford and I go back and I think about it and I want to help there as well, which is what we're trying to continue doing with sessions too. Yeah, Brilliant. this yeah, this this drawing shows shopping centers in the in the city center though, <laughs> and how it impacted the high street, well, which is a completely different conversation. But yeah, that's fine, isn't it? Well, you can you can take the man out of Bradford, but you can't take Bradford out of the man, right? So you got you got you have to know your, your roots, and uh, I guess that's an interesting point actually, because I grew up in Wales, South Wales, and at the time. There was only the University of Cardiff, right? And you had that straight A's to get in there. And now they've got Swansea, mm. which is great because I'm from there. It would have been good to go there. But I can remember that even that feeling of like, it's quite inaccessible to study architecture back at that point. And it all worked out well. I went to Westminster, made some good friends and here we mm. are kind of thing. But it would have been useful. Uh, it would have been useful to have that support early on. And you're right, I kind of fell into architecture. And I did want to do architecture, but you rock up and you, you know, either it's like 
boot camp even the first year isn't it and i know everyone says it's easy however it's really good to have some kind of support structure during that time and furthermore i think the kind of the key bit at the moment and i hear it come up and up and up again but we all need to take a bit of accountability and work on it is the bridge between academia and professional practice because i don't know about you drove but i when i i was not ready to um to go into professional practice i had no clue what to do and i kind of had like a mini existential crisis at the time like what i i have never felt like i don't i don't understand even where to begin i mean is a lot of your sessions then um for people in between academia and professional or can they be during academia or what's what what's your what areas do you laser focus on then the current laser focus is on students that are in the architectural system currently right the the however is it's open for everyone um mm. those who are thinking about architecture as well as those who are in the realm of architecture so they don't need to be architects they can be interior designers they could be urban planners they could be thinking about planning and construction just in general we will ultimately try to help where we can now what we're currently getting or the jit or the yeah the gist of the flow of students has been how do we get jobs recently which has been very interesting conversations so what we have done is gone through cvs we've gone through portfolios and layout non-bias ways of presenting information such yeah. as not including profile pictures not including things like your nationality and date of birth even though they may be seen sometimes as useful on applications inherently there are these subconscious biases that we have that may not be useful um especially when it should be or could be primarily based on the skill on your skills for for a job role yeah. so we've had those conversations but i have been leaning into this 16 to 18 year old realm recently um i'm currently signed up with the arts emergency to try to um be paired with a 16 to 18 year old student at the moment and that's made me think that we could probably expand sessions to be something similar to where we approach students in the local areas or within local boroughs one of our first aims is actually to go back to where we grew up so bradford will be the first one um and next thursday we've got a conversation with the sixth form that i went to to try to hold the careers further um or at least at least in architecture but perhaps expanding out to um, other creative disciplines as well yeah Oh, yeah. very very interesting and and and, mm. and hats off to you because it is very i i'm glad that you laser focused on one thing you're right though the world's kind of blur and actually i think that getting a job the 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 more you're involved in the mentoring at the start or in the middle while they're doing the academia i think it probably eases it to be honest when they when mm. the person comes to looking for a job because you can kind of instill those things as 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 you go i mean a good example that i see a lot is sometimes go oh people go oh should i 
redo my project or something to tweak it for applications and mm. i think that that's probably not the best use of time anymore i kind of think like look whatever whatever kind of project that you've got uh, especially as a part one you just need to make the best of it because that ship has, that ship has sailed obviously if it's a well-rounded project and the grades or not so much the grade perhaps like what you got from it and what you can talk about it and that passion if that passion comes across in the interview and it's a beautiful project then it's probably gonna help your chances but to reinvent the wheel once you've graduated to better your chances i think is a, a losing battle like the gains are not that much anymore so um hmm. you know hats off for you for doing do bringing it into... it's really interesting you say that though i i i also agree i wouldn't necessarily suggest that they go in this very specific scenario that you're giving i wouldn't yeah. necessarily say yeah go away and redo this part however if it is something to do with skills and your your own learnings maybe a current project is a, a good space to start um whether it be software or design process or just the idea of further research um to help to help your future projects i, I don't necessarily agree i don't agree nor disagree with that point but it's it is going to be based on what the student wants to get out of their yeah. next stage whether it might be a job it may be a research position yeah and so forth i i i think that where i've seen it work maybe is mm. a continuation of the project so perhaps you say well i i always wanted to do something in grasshopper therefore i i've done that after the studies and and like you say yeah. that can be really that valuable I guess what mm. I'm talking about is revisiting the brief or, or I don't know, adding a new element to it. What I was going to ask you, though, is mm. where do you see at the moment? And just for anyone while you're watching this, I thought it would be cool if I could put the link to booking in a session at HFM. So that's mm. here. And so I promise I won't keep it on the Calendly link forever. But it's <laughs> I think it's just good drive to put, we put it in the background while it's on and if anyone's listening to this on audio because i'll put it on spotify after and yeah. the link if you want to check it out is actually um www.hfm.uk.com forward slash sessions it's really mm. easy you can you can book it book one in but so you mentioned you focus on academia so it, is it anyone during their first year second year third year or part one or and now you've got architectural apprentices right so where um, is it open to all or is there a particular point that people usually drop in? Mm. Well, let, I'll, I'll try to promote this as much as possible. So the principle is that it is for the range of students that are currently in their part one, part two, part three studies, um, or the in-betweens of trying to look for positions um, either within the workplace or within research within academia um, they may want to go away and teach we've had we've had a series of the principle here is that uh, it is a 30-minute session um, it is titled mentoring however can be a design tutorial it can be a friendly chat it is essentially a sounding board i've got a group of very very talented and wonderful colleagues peers good friends from the past 12 years of my professional career that i've got to know really well and have helped 
in setting up and in the mentoring process. I can't do this alone. Um, and I would be ashamed if I said that I, I am doing this alone when I have such a great team behind me and aside me. Um, and what happens is on the night when you arrive, um, I will most likely be there to introduce you to the mentoring scheme again. And then as part of the form or as part of this Calendly link, there's also a section to say what stage you're at and what you would like help with. So then it becomes an effective session where I can then do a little bit of mental pairing and perhaps engage in that conversation a little bit earlier before the session to then streamline the process of that 30 minutes. It can become 45, it can become in an hour. Um, it basically varies on the, how many sessions we've got for that evening. But half an hour is the, half an hour is the target. Um, and yes, you can book through the link. I will most certainly be there to uh, accommodate and facilitate. And it's always a pleasure to see students coming from all over. Last week, we had a student arrive all the way from Cardiff. That was a privilege, really, for us. Um, and I, I hope this reaches as many people in those places as well. Um, I do I do insist, though, that um, if it is quite a distance, that probably not the, not the greatest thing to do repetitively, and in which case, a quick email, and we can perhaps arrange a virtual session. Distance can be quite a, quite a big one. However, what we're trying to do is build a bit of a community. So the in-person sessions is, is quite nice to see people face-to-face -face after such a long time as well. Oh, we're back. All right. Well, we got to power through these things, right? Um, maybe that's actually a good segue to talk about, if you can still hear me now, the advantages of in-person versus online, because actually, I think that was a good example of what just happens. You have interference, the downsides, the internet can go. And that's what I found is that online, sometimes it's a bit of a dice roll. Typically it works, but like then my microphone went, people cut in and out. So is that one of the reasons that actually you prefer to do things in person or online, or is it, as you say, the community building? Because one thing on the counter argument is that by doing it in person, people miss out. And sometimes I get people saying to me all the time, can it be online? I can't travel there. So is your stance more in person than online for that reason? Is that this answer is going to be all over the place because my mind isn't fully set on whether I prefer one way or another. I'll start with our example that we're talking about now, as in we are talking through this streaming service. I am not able to come to where you are, but I can still have this conversation pretty completely. Over the past two years, when I started the initial um, mentoring uh, scheme, that was internationally based, I wasn't able, or we were not able to meet one another because we had students in Hong Kong, Canada, the States, um, all across Europe, the Asias, you name it. And it was an easier way to have these conversations, and frankly, the only way. 
Um, the community element. Yes, we really want to build this community of people that come back and engage further and further. I mean, it, this is perhaps a bit early to say, but what we want to do is build on the mentoring, perhaps have sessions as a name evolve into something where we have a lecture series where people can come or perhaps uh, people can engage in presentations. Now that would be fantastic as well, um, but that would need an in-person audience, I believe. Um, but the, I, I, I'm in between really because we had a few students who were ill on the first session, unfortunately. However, they, they still wanted to speak with us, of course. And so they emailed and they requested. And we offered at the time, and I, I will say it wasn't easy, but a hybrid scenario where we had in-person and virtual sessions happening at the same time. Right. I think going forward, we'll continue with the in-person and um, in any, anyway, as opposed to the virtual. However, there is a space for both to happen at the same time. Um, my preference currently in-person is in short time. Yeah, fair enough. I, um, I struggle with that as well, especially with the architecture social community being online to bring it into the physical. Having said that, I do think that, especially after the pandemic, there's an appetite to do something in person and you can't quite replace that thing of everyone working collaboratively, especially in architecture around the table doing the task. I think what better place than ever than mentoring sessions or academia. I had a really good mentoring session actually in Manchester School of Architecture um, where experts from all around the industry came in. But you're right. So at that uh, it's, it's useful having people and you mentioned that you couldn't do it alone. I think you probably could do some bits alone, but when you've got a wealth of awesome people and different perspectives, it's so good to have all these different people involved. And so what I was going to say is I named this one, the, the podcast that we're doing, the importance or impact of architectural mentoring. Now you're giving up a lot of your spare time to do it, um, but I am. I what maybe what would be cool is the to understand what you take away from it. You know, it's like, do you learn some stuff? Is it a time sink? Is it? Can you give us the pros and cons of someone getting involved if they've been thinking about mentoring but haven't got it around to doing it yet? Yeah. It's essentially the conversation that I have all the time with friends and peers that are looking to help or that are keen to get involved. Mm. Um, I begin with, it is something where you have to care about the students themselves. It sounds a bit, yeah, it sounds a bit like I'm bigging myself up here. But I, when, I, when I say I genuinely want to help the students that are less represented, I thoroughly mean that because I was that student at some stage in my career and I wish I had that help. And to begin with that focus and to begin with that value, mm. I think other, other mentors, I should say, really then also engage in that same principle. 
So that's a good starting point. Um, beyond that, um, it is a great way to develop personable skills. Not everyone is the same. We know this. I mean, some people are more social than others. Some people are more design-oriented. Some people are more research-led within the realm of architecture, at least. Mm. And to have different types of conversations with different people, you're also then feeding yourself with all of this knowledge, wealth of knowledge. So as well as being able to give something as part of the mentoring, you're also gaining something most definitely from the students. The other thing I will say is that my, or the opportunity to teach at the University of Brighton, which was at the beginning of the pandemic, only came about because I was able to say that I had this knowledge in explaining different design projects, different schemes, or different types of architecture-related conversations across the world to my, at the time, studio partner, or your tutor leader. Um, and he um, acknowledged that it was relevant. And I think that is another point, that mentors may be able to then say, oh, we've had this experience, and may, if they want to, go into the academic field as well, where, again, as well as the professional side of things, the academic side of things is also very much less represented. And when I say less represented, I mean from a diverse background, and I don't necessarily mean just being a person of color. I mean a woman. I mean those who are disabled. I mean those also who are people of color. And hence, there is also a part of this current session where we are encouraging those who are from those backgrounds because it is still underrepresented in the construction industry and academia. So, going back to the point, mentoring may assist with trying to get people into institutions to therefore better represent the students that are being taught. At the mm -hmm. time, I don't think I had much representation at the time either. It would have been helpful. I'm not too sure about that. Not too sure. But I think the principle is that if you do see someone succeeding, maybe looks like you, regardless of color, being a woman, being disabled. Although the spectrum is way further than that. Um, then, it, then it may help. So those are my three key points that I, that I usually have conversations around. I also just say that it's quite a lot of fun. Yeah. Maybe a, a time sink is the word you use. It may be seen as one. However, it's very much, um, <laughs> very much quite fun. Especially when afterwards you get to debrief, have a quick chat, and usually at the local pub, which is also fun. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with a cheeky pint. Um, what I was going to say is you're right, because my initial reaction, especially if you're busy, because I remember thinking about this before, is you're busy, right? It's like, it's not a purely selfish reason. It's maybe it's like you actually got, you got a difficult project right now. So the idea of doing a bit of mentoring on top feels impossible. Like where can, where can I put the time in? But if you can sneak it in like yourself, I've always 
felt like I've got something out of it for me. And actually, one of the things in life that I always try to do is like, it's like this week here, it's seven o'clock, right? And I don't mind because I thank you for coming. But also, you know, I, you know, it's, it's just nice to, to do these things. But it could have easily just sacked it off because it's, it's easier just to, you know, lounge around, isn't it? And I think that that's the greatest thing is that actually then you come away from it and you, you build up something and, and it's like this, it might be a professional relationship that comes out of it, or who knows what. And mentoring, I imagine, is similar because you follow, one of the beautiful things is you follow young professionals throughout their career and keep up that connection. Have you started to see that thing then, Drus, um pop up so far? Because I imagine there's, you've been doing this for a little while. I know it's, it's um, 2020 is not too far but I imagine your initial cohort is starting with their career, right? Have you seen a little bit of that evolving and the, the network that you've been building up kind of flourish so far? Yeah, absolutely, all the time. And it's, it really is the most wonderful thing. The most recent example is we had a student join us for the first session who was looking for something related to research as part of their part two. So they wanted to focus more on less, cons less concept, less design, but more research, which is an interesting um, dilemma in itself or issue, let's call it. However, one part of my academic career was that I was teaching at Bryson when we had some wonderful students who went to Delft, mm. who I then engaged in a conversation afterwards to try to bring these people together so they can each have a conversation about what's what, whether it is a good idea to perhaps go to Delft. And these, that was a very, I think that's a very small thing in a way, but bringing these students together was um, a great way of doing it, uh, a great way of, um, Sort of seeing the fruit, that makes sense. Seeing um, all that hard work pay off. And that was two years ago. I initially started talking to the students as well. Um, another example I always come back to, in my head at least, I've never really spoken about this. Um, but um, I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine with me saying this because huh. he's very much in the public sphere at the moment. Charlie um, from FAF. Future Architects Front. Um, initially, we had a conversation around this thesis, and that was at the beginning of the pandemic too. And continuing to see how well he's done, and of course his wonderful colleagues, it really does mean quite a bit. And again, I've never really said these words out loud, but I'm sure again, Charlie would be fine with me saying. And it is really refreshing to see exactly what he's doing in this video right now as well. Every day, really. Um, but no, there are multiple examples of There's two things. Yeah, wow. Well, well, Future Architects Front Faf, whether you agree with their um, ideologies or not, I mean, I, I quite like Charlie. However, you can't deny they're the impact throughout the industry, right? It's definitely made an impression, and um, 
Well, because I, I worked at, uh, I say worked, that's probably poor choice of words, but you know, when it's the end of the day, I was going to say I was involved, I was on the RABA um, council. And while I can't talk a lot about what happened there, what I can say is that the Future Architects Group Front was viewed as a stakeholder, which means that the RABA really cared about what they thought because Charlie and the team are quite vocal. And I think you kind of need that in every industry. You need someone that's going to call people out unbiased. I, always, I, I like to think of FAF and Charlie as someone that I can get along with. I have a beer with, but also I've got to be careful because if I overstep the line, he'll call me out as well. No one's safe from the FAF, but you need that voice, right? You need someone calling out all the all the things that we've put up within architecture. And that's what I was going to say to you, Rob, is because we deal with long hours, which is why I asked the question of how do you slot in mentoring? And you talked about um, you know, backgrounds, maybe underprivileged or difficult situation getting into architecture. But now when you're in architecture as well, it is a tough profession. It's not the most huge usually paid profession so i imagine mentoring as well people appreciate it because there's no such thing as extra tuition or anything in architecture right so what i mean aside from what you're doing now are there any other supportive structures out there for architectural students at the moment that you're aware of well i mean let, let's begin with <laughs> fas um yeah they are engaging with a community that is less represented and less vocally heard. It is fantastic. So I'll begin there. There are various different collectives that were born around or probably earlier, the same the time that we did. Um, so we have um, Sound Advice, we have Core Collective, we have Resolve Collective. Um, there are female-driven collectives out there as well, off the top of my head. Edit Collective, another one that are that is based within universities is um, Architects from Oxford Books. There are various different ones out there. Now, mentoring is a is is something I've not come across hence trying to pursue that. But if I if I were to think a little bit more recently, I'm sure I could gather this in fact maybe that's maybe that's the next post perhaps. Yeah, I think I think um it's part of the ethics of social that I'd like to do is a directory of stuff and I think that trying to organize all these collectives of, of people's ventures which are amazing i think would be useful because while one of the things i know is we're on linkedin now we're on this goes out to youtube and other things but um and instagram tends to be for whatever reason there's a lot of these architectural initiatives on them having said that though it is still incredibly siloed right do you i would imagine not everyone knows about the mentoring that you do and tell us a little bit about the success of where you're able to reach out to people, or perhaps uh, drop what where you'd like to see more people taking you up on the mentoring, if you do have any 
spare slots left, or maybe you fill them all. Well, I release regularly, so uh, so as to not overwhelm <laughs> um, or overwhelm the team. Actually, um, I ooh. I think we can have mentor. Well, this is the thing. Mentor, mentoring aside, really. In a, in a way, the, the importance, the importance really is that we're engaging with these students as much as we can. Right? Yeah, frankly, that, that's that's the primary purpose of what we want to deal with. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Really, really that's that, that, that's it. The, the silo is is generated. Within the platform, because where where you where it's a design it's a design tool, and if we can begin engaging with that tool in a different way, perhaps it's been slightly differently, and perhaps begin to reach out to different types of people. It's a more democratic space. That perhaps I pause here quite a lot because there there is and there are different ways of reaching out. And trying to engage with these different communities in different ways, but the one means that has worked for us so far has been Instagram, and so we continue using it. I hope this helps mm. too. Um, however, students and that age range, perhaps, or that demographic, is best seen through um, through our platform. I'd agree with that. Actually, I think that LinkedIn tends to be used by anyone. I mean, I had a LinkedIn on my part one. I think I turned it on, never used it again. And then I think it was only during my part two or part three that I started using LinkedIn. Although it's really good with your job search, you're right. Actually, Instagram is a good way to reach out to people, but maybe it's the combination, right? I think perhaps uh, people who are good to be mentoring um, students will probably come from LinkedIn, whereas you say TikTok, I mean, that's another one that we all laugh about, like, oh my gosh, what a, what a waste of time, this and this and that. But actually, I can see why people uh, use it and you have to engage in these mediums, right? Especially, as you say, if someone comes from a background where they have, they have, or maybe they, they, they don't get much exposure to architecture, maybe the other places that they see them are on TikTok and Instagram, right? And those are, and those can be very talented minds that need to get in, get in, that we need to suck into construction and architecture to build the better cities of the future. So maybe, maybe you're onto something the, there. Yeah, you know? the, the TikTok thing is an interesting one um, because that that's, I think, beyond the social media generation that I am. I think I stopped or I started with the MySpaces and Vivos of the world. And now I think yeah. the last real social media that I, I use, not real, but the one that I used is probably Instagram and maybe pushing it Snapchat. And that in itself shows a little bit about where I am as well. So again, I, it might be representative of me, representative of me. And my knowledge of these programs as well. Maybe there's there's outreach on TikTok that might help and um, a generation that I, I'm I'm missing. 
as a mother. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm like you. I, I was in the MySpace when I was like 14 or whatever. So I'm, I totally get you where I really do not want to do TikTok, but I know I have to from a business sense or an outreach sense like you. I tell you what, there is hope for us both, though, because the, uh, Russell Anderson is a massive TikToker who's an architect. And I don't know, Russell, because we, we've spoken a bit and you were on the podcast, so Hopefully I can say this. I think you might be slightly older than me, and I'm sorry, but you know what I mean? In, in this analogy, I think Russell would be like, Steve, get a grip and get on TikTok, you know? And he'd be the first one to call me out. So maybe there's hope for us both. So what I was going to say now is, so a quick rundown. I'm going to quickly put down HFM's link again, which is www.hfm.uk.com for sessions. That's where you book them in. And you can see narrative practice, which is www.narpr.co. Uh, so you can, you can check out both of them. So those are the links there. But just before we go on all that stuff, Drum, we survived tonight, right? The technical problems and we're still here. Okay, so for the two of the three people that I've put up with my technical fiascos and have been patiently listening to you, now perhaps they can listen to you flip the table around and ask me one or two questions. That's uh, the first things that pop into your brain because we haven't scripted this. Is there anything you want to talk to me about um, the architecture social, me or mentoring mm -hmm. or whatever? Well, you mentioned you were at Westminster. Um, I'm intrigued when that was because mm -hmm. I'm sure we must have been at the same time. Well, well I, was a, I was a very naughty Westminster student because I would just go in for like um, the, the, the studio days and then I would be in like dorms and this first year it was a bit more mm. carnage is the nice one I'm going to say. And then I, I didn't, I did all night as on the second and third year. It was actually my fifth year and I went to mm -hmm. Manchester um, for my part two that I actually knuckled down. And in the final year, I didn't do any all night as I tried, I treated it like a nine to five and it was the best grade I ever got, which says that you shouldn't wait around. But to answer your question, I was in Westminster between 2006 to 2009 before gotcha. they changed well, it. Well, I started when you left then in that case, which is interesting. So I was there in 2010. Um, I ask because you must know certain people there as well. And there are some of um, the wonderful staff there that um, I engage with quite a bit. Um, and I wondered, frankly, whether you'd like to join us for a session one day. I would love to. I would love to. Do you know what? I've been struggling to get in to Westminster, and I always pop there, and I always have a tequila at um, Pete Silver's bar, you know, at the end of the year show. Because for whatever reason, he's decided maybe he'll rewatch this and reevaluate. But he's like, oh, you're all right. You're one of the cool Illuminati's. You can come in. I think Pete likes people. I would not say cynical. You know what I mean? He's got a certain banter. And if you kind of don't take yourself too seriously, you can, he, he doesn't mind you. So I used to knock around with Pete. And what was the other chap's name who knew Will Alsop? Uh, Pete and Will? Pete. Is that who you mean? Uh, Pete and Will. Yeah, Will. 
It was Will. Will knew Will Allsop, yeah. And I remember Will Allsop came in once and I missed it because I was really hungover or something. So I was really terrible. But I'm not too bad now. I don't miss the hungover and all this stuff. I actually turn up. So I would love to be involved at the University of Westminster. I, I, I think it was a good uni. I'm jealous that it's all done up now. Although I will say as much as it is a good uni, it was terrible acoustics in there. I don't know if you felt that. I couldn't no, hear anything in the acoustics. studio. It was the temperature in there as well. It was either extremely cold or extremely hot. And I just remember being in the studio thinking, gosh, it needs to make up its mind. Well, we well we would love to have you engage with students as well. It seems like you've got a very personable character. Um, and I'm sure the students would be very engaged with yourself as well. So I'm sure we can have a chat about that after this as well. That's very sweet. You're saying that my character is um, a polite way of saying I am completely nuts, and, and that's probably true. But yes, I would love to. I would love to. I think probably where I'm best is that um, that in-between zone of getting jobs in industry. That's kind of my back, you know, whereas the academia work, I think that's really what you're a port of authority. You know, I could talk. But you got to know your strengths sometimes in life, right? And having seen job seekers for 10 years, I start to see all the, the common mistakes people make. And also I start to see what the practices pick out. Because you at the start said something very appropriate, which was don't put your picture on your CV. And I really agree because unfortunately, while I think the world's getting better, and I say that as a gay man, you know, I think like then the industry's getting banned. We still have unconscious biases and we all do without even knowing it. Even if we feel like we're progressive, we have unconscious biases and a picture can trigger it one way or another. Or sometimes it can be a positive bias, which is the one that um, people don't understand, which is positive discrimination, yeah, you know? Um, I think the 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 journey of well I, i'll explain my journey which which has led me to where it is and this is why i want to continue doing this is that it, like i said having been brought up in bradford gone from a financially less um well-off background from council estate to council estate due to redevelopment of certain plots of land falling into a place where we were then able to buy that property as part of um, that particular political um, time, um, then moving around and then moving into London to progress, to proceed with something that I had no idea what I was going to be doing, really. And then finally being in a position where I can come back and talk about that as a, as a method to help is principally the one thing that you, you just have to hold on to. Yeah, well said. I, I, I completely agree. And I would love to be involved in Westminster. And on that note, Swansea Uni, invite me in because you've got to pay homage to where you're from, like you say in Bradford, right? Come on. You've got to know your roots, I think, and be, and be proud of it. And, and, and the, I tell you, the last thing I'd say on that point is because when I rocked up to Westminster, I was 18, yeah, and I was like, babe in the woods. I was the Welsh man who'd never been out of Wales kind of thing. And... Um, it was funny because in Wales, everyone would be like, oh, you know, in England, they don't really like us. Are you sure you want to go there? 
And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take a chance. And remember when I was, I went, I thought like everyone was going to, I don't know, like, oh my God, you're Welsh. And um, that was completely like, I hate, I, I hate where this comes from, but it was fake news. You know, that was like total, it was total nonsense. I was so embraced. Everyone loved it. Everyone was like, Everyone loved the, the multicultural, and you know in Westminster, it's a bit of a strange uni. I think it's amazing. You don't have the campus feel, but what you do have is this like um, intersection of everyone who's come to the city from every culture ever. So I think in that way, it was amazingly accepting. Um, having said that, the course was make a break and you had to keep up with the pace so much like architecture if you didn't sure. you're out yeah there, there is <laughs> a know? bit of graph involved um possibly at the time when we went the graph was perhaps forced and um a bit of pressure from peers from maybe certain individuals within the academic sphere and again that is the other reason why we, we do this because the importance and the impact of architectural mentoring is exactly that, to change some distinction of things becoming more positive, things becoming more positive, better for the students specifically, for the students. Yeah, yeah, and it, it would be a shame for people to drop out or anything when you know you give them that little bit of love or intention to get over the end line especially when because it's not like i don't know about you but i was paying like three thousand pound a year to study it's like nine thousand pound now i had this conversation with a director the other day and i was like do you realize it's about 70 grand to study architecture and um we have to be honest that the salaries are not increasing probably as much as we'd like in line with um, cost of living. So more than ever, I think architecture is amazing as you get to design buildings, you can make all this stuff to community fabric. You were talking about going back to Bradford and regenerating it. That stuff is possible, but you're not going to be rolling in the money in architecture. It's it's a you, you have to do it because you love it. And therefore, to me, the idea of someone dropping out because they didn't, have that little bit of love um, is, well, sucks to be honest. So, I mean, hats off for you for doing it. Perhaps now, because we've got two or three minutes before we get to the nice hour mark. Um, okay, we could do an extra minute because my microphone cut, uh, like died to death for, for a minute. But uh, do you have any final thoughts, Drav, before um, we kind of wind thank down? Thank you. Uh, we'd organized this a couple of months now ago. So it's uh, great to actually be on here speaking about something that hadn't actually even been set up at the time. And we were going to talk about, in general, the academic and professional mm. sphere. And today we're talking about something that's something that means quite a lot to me. And that's, and that's really great in a way. Um, no, that's the short answer. I think, I think we've, 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 we've spoken a lot about <laughs> me and what we're doing with the sessions. I urge students and those in the realm of architecture, you don't necessarily need to be doing architecture um, or have an absolute interest in design or concept or research or any or any in between. You can come in and just have a chat with us about what's going on and we will happily, happily help out as much as we can.
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for that. I'll give you a quick round of applause. Um, if we can still hear it, I don't know. I can't hear it anymore on my end. But anyways, so on that point, yeah, no sound effect. Do a proper round of applause. Thank you so much for being here and, and um, putting that both ways. Thank you in the audience for dealing with the tech. At the same time, though, this is the thing. If you want to see Drop in person, then you won't have to deal with our microphones going in and out. So booking one of those sessions with him and, and, and you know, come to London and have a cheeky beer after. If you want to see me in person, I will be at London Build Expo next week. And I will be checking out one of these events in the University of Westminster with, um, with, with, I gosh, it's a HFM and narrative practice. Thank you so much, everyone, for getting here. Um, I've got last, last, last thing. I got one or two yeses which came in, which is probably around about the time we were saying, is the microphone not working? So thank you, Chris and the Czar. However, in the moment, I'll be honest, I didn't catch it. Um, and Gordon has said great beards. And I must confess, I seriously need to um, sort it out. So Gordon, um, I haven't got an, imp as an impressive one as you though, Drop. that's really tailored. So unfortunately, Gordon, the scruffy one here, the proper beard here. I'm gonna end the live stream now. Um, stay on the stage, Drop, and I'm gonna end this podcast now. Thank you. Cheers.